0: hello and welcome to a recap episode of the wildcat offense brought to you by off-sea sport and myself wes ibarra welcome back to the conversation office mates Um, we're in for a treat tonight so before we get into that first and foremost thank you for joining me on your evening whether it's a Long uh, evening after a long day at work. Or should I say a restful evening after a long day at work. Putting in OT or just chilling at home. I appreciate you joining me tonight. We are in for a treat as we are doing double coverage. Yes, double coverage. Recap of the football game that the Cats had against Iowa at Wrigley Field. And the season opener basketball game against Binghamton. Looks like Northwestern split. Those categories, pretty even with the 1-1. Northwestern football loses a heartbreaker to Iowa. I have a lot of takes, a lot of opinions on that game. That was a pretty tough game to watch. If Nebraska was tough, this was the one that really takes the cake. While there were first-half struggles by the Wildcats for basketball, eventually there was top billing there. and uh, Or I shouldn't say top billing, but rather the team played to its billing and that the cats ended up winning the game 72 61 so great start to the year for basketball despite them having to really earn it um let's start off with football so like i said on our little college game day morning show on saturday this was a game to be very excited about as the game was played at wrigley field um it's a very unique game very interesting game the atmosphere is just nothing short of amazing. As the uh, the cats go to a historic park where football was once played, but is obviously now known for hosting the Chicago Cubs, one of the most popular, if not the most popular, baseball team in the National League. Of course, that's open up to debate. I'm sure all of you guys are fans of other MLB franchises as well. But as someone who's grown up watching the Chicago Cubs and Chicago White Sox, that's who I will always refer to and of course the Cubs are you know Wrigley Field's main tenant and of course that's how people associate those two franchises but this is the Northwestern podcast after all so let's talk about this game a lot of excitement right because the Cats are coming off a uh, victory uh, that put them into the 500 range by uh, beating Maryland and this could have been a game that put them over the top and have them in the winning record side of things for first time, I believe, this season. I don't think there has been an instance where the Cats have gone up uh, with more wins than losses heading into a game week, but uh, here we are, unfortunately, sitting at four and five, while the Iowa Hawkeyes improved to seven and two. So the final score was ten to seven. So I did say that, but in the favor of the Wildcats, it just so happened that this week, or should I say this past week, it happened to be in favor of the Hawkeyes. Now, I did say on Saturday that this was going to be a very tough game, uh, a defense-heavy game, because uh, both offenses aren't really that great, at least from a ratings perspective. Iowa actually came into the game as the worst offense in America. So, of course, there was plenty of uh, fodder for the Northwestern defense to chew on. But at the same time, Iowa's defense is elite. So with Northwestern's offense not being too far ahead of the Iowa Hawkeyes' um, offense, of course, elite defense going up against substandard offense, that tends to favor the defenders, doesn't it? And, of course, everyone around the league around college football thought that this was going to be an actual baseball game and lo and behold it was Um, as a matter of fact scoring wasn't even uh, performed until the third quarter of the game when Iowa scored a third quarter touchdown that was fresh off of a blocked punt where Northwestern was pretty much in their own territory Uh, of course cardiac cats eventually evened up the score in the fourth quarter with a little under two minutes left to go unfortunately the defense gave up a little too much room and iowa's kicker had a big enough leg to convert a 53 yarder with 14 seconds to spare left in the game to put the game to bed literally and figuratively not a big fan of that celebration granted i'm also not a big fan of iowa athletics so of course i'm pretty upset i don't sound like it but i'm pretty frustrated with the way the cats lost that game just because in my opinion, that was a must-win game. I mean, every game is a must-win at this point. But because I'm being a little selfish here and wanting the Cats to go to a bowl game and coach Braun's first year, it can get a little, again, frustrating, mildly infuriating when, especially if a team on the other sideline is pretty vulnerable going into that game week, and this game was supposed to be more about your program than the other program, come on like you you really had to get that one and so far as far as i'm concerned the cats aren't even remotely successful at rigby field and i have a take on that in a little bit but before we get into it let's look at the uh box score here so looking at our cats brendan sullivan went 12 for 19 with 81 yards and a touchdown leading rusher was anthony tyeus the third with 10 carries for 40 yards. Camp Porter not too far behind with 12 carries and 36 yards. Receiving uh, was led by Bryce Kurtz and Cam Johnson, of course. Three receptions apiece. Kurtz going for 33, Cam Johnson going for 30 with the one touchdown. And A.J. Henning got a little involved with four receptions, 13 yards. Iowa passing, Deacon Hill, 10 for 15, 65 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, LaShawn Williams was the leading rusher. 24 carries for 79 yards receiving. Caleb Brown, one reception for 23. Addison Ostranga, three receptions for 15 yards with one touchdown. Um, this was not a really a great day to be watching offensive football. Um, like I mentioned in the college game day show, uh, Deacon Hill was actually under 50% in his last game. And was over 50% this time around, but still only 65 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And there were a couple throws that he made that looked a little sus, for lack of a better term. And there were a lot of times where the defense seemed to get home on him. So it it just It was just a very bad <laughs> all-around performance if you're into quarterback play and overall offensive play. Uh looking at defense, uh the leader for the cats, Xander Mueller with 19 total tackles. So 12 solo, seven assists, one and half TFLs. Fearless leader, Bryce Gallagher with eight. Aiden Hubbard with six. Jay Higgins on Iowa with 12. Nick Jackson with seven. Deontay Craig with six. So again, for a defensive player on this game, this was a premium. This was a game where You could really improve your stock if you are NFL draft eligible. And this is a confidence booster if you're trying to put more um, highlights on your highlight tape. I mean, 19 total tackles. I think that was more than what Bryce Gallagher had on week one against Rutgers. So, man, our, our two big names on defense having a really good day. As well as the reigning defensive player of the week. Or at least at the time he was, Aiden Hubbard. Um... The one stat that really does stick out to me on defense was that Iowa had five sacks while Northwestern only had two. So, again, there seems to be a protection problem for the Cats when it comes to uh, keeping the quarterback upright. I can't recall a time this season where that number was under five for uh, the Wildcats, and the Northwestern defense only got Two. So, how how in the world are you going to get to a much better quarterback multiple times in a game in Talia Tagovailoa, but only get to two um, with Deacon Hill? Now, of course, you can argue. Well, Iowa tends to have better offensive lines. Well, and that's true. And that's true. But if you know that offense is going to sputter, you got to be able to have a chance to not just pass defend and run defend, but also get to the quarterback. Um, I know defensive line that can that can be a topic for discussion within this team, but we it would be nice if this team can get home a little bit more. But moving on, the one stat that really does kind of bother me with the Cats' performance on uh, Saturday was the penalties: seven penalties, seventy-one yards. When you obviously have more penalties than the other team, there's a good chance you're not going to beat them. And penalties clearly is what killed the Cats in this game. Like I said, seven penalties for 71 yards. They were lucky to at least protect the ball with no fumbles, no interceptions. But, man, if if you're helping out the other team, what good is it going to do for you? I mean, it's it's not... It's not good. And hopefully going into next, uh, or should I say this coming week, when they play Wisconsin, that's something that the team can shore up. Um, as far as Iowa, 3 for 30 so they kept it clean there. But they did have turnovers, so at least if there's one good thing I'm going to give about Northwestern's defense, that they forced a turnover and could have forced multiple because some Deacon Hill, again, looked like, I don't know, NFL Tim Tebow out there for lack of a better term and you know that's with all due respect i mean i'm sure you know deacon hill is a very great football player in his own right but yeah just by watching what we see on the tape that just yeah quarterback play on both sides just wasn't good and especially on northwestern's end uh, especially when they have a chance to again keep providing to their already overtly successful season you got to be able to shore up some loose ends and have some form of improvement, especially at this point in the season, nine weeks in, three more games to go. So there's that. 10-7, uh, Cats lose, drop to four and five, but are still very much in the hunt to become bowl eligible. Now, my take on that whole game is that I am pretty disappointed in the fact that the Cats didn't come away with the win, especially with a team that from a record standpoint is miles ahead of them but also at the same time from a talent and political perspective they looked pretty vulnerable and pretty beatable i mean uh and you know it's not like they were going to put up a 30 spot on the wildcats right and the wildcats had every reason to perhaps put up double digits on this team despite iowa having an elite defense but again it kind of shows what those numbers that i was talking about last week um come into play right uh from what i remember the cats score much better at home than they do on the road now you can argue i guess for now that they average 7 points a game in neutral games so that's again very discouraging especially since, say, the Cats become bowl-eligible, that's going to become a neutral site game too. But, man, this game had everything. The hype, the environment. Um, just by looking at the crowd shots, it looked like it was 50-50, as if it was like a real bowl game. Just so happens that there was two Big Ten teams that were in in play. Now, I don't know. The Cats' record is actually pretty bad at Wrigley Field, uh, to come to think of it. I think they're 0-3 when it comes to games being played at Wrigley. I remember the first one where they played against Illinois, and I think Illinois really beat the brakes out of that Northwestern team. And then, of course, there was a game two years ago where Purdue won by at least two possessions. So... While it is a feeling like no other, I did get a chance to talk with um, my buddy on the team, recruiting coordinator, Ryan O'Connell, about this. And he believes that it's a feeling like no other as well. Um, and also as someone who stepped on that field, as uh, someone who worked in the baseball space, yes, it is a feeling like no other. But while I keep saying it's a feeling like no other, it's a feeling like like no other. It's true, but now this will pose a bit of a hot take that I'm about to spread onto you guys. Should the cats stop playing there? Honestly, you would think um, while it is a good marketing idea for Northwestern athletics, the Cubs, Wrigley Field, and all that good stuff, we're not winning there. So, I I wonder if it is even worth uh, if it's worth the the effort and the time, knowing that we don't do well there. Now I understand the ticket revenue and all that's the TV time that's going to be nuts. And I have a hot take on that too. I mean, the game was on Peacock. Why can't you put it on public TV for everyone to watch? Chicago is a big sports market. You clearly sold a lot of tickets for the game and there's a lot of ad space around Wrigley Field. I mean, it's like any other baseball stadium, right? With ad space everywhere. and But you had to put it on a streaming service. You couldn't put it on local TV for the locals like myself who don't have Peacock or Whatever streaming service it is to watch these sports, um, to watch these games, I mean if you can put any other Power 5 team that's playing in whatever iconic stadium it is, even Army Navy at uh, Lincoln Financial Field, if you could put that on public airwaves, why can't you put this game on? Uh, I would really like to know that, honestly, but I I know. Back to my original hot take. Should the Cats keep playing there? I know the majority of people would probably say yes just because of the turnout and the vibes and all that. But at the same time, you would wonder if you could see the Cats actually winning there. I mean, it it is... I, I could be just overreacting and I could be just be overtly frustrated about how... Uh, the team has played there the last three times that they've gone. And this was probably the most competitive out of all the three games. But, man, I don't know. I really don't know. Now, that's not to say Wrigley Field shouldn't host football anymore. I do think that they could host a bowl game at the end of the year. Sure, it's going to be super cold with all the lake breeze. And perhaps there's going to be snow. But if Yankee Stadium could do it and all the other baseball fields across uh the country now holding um mid-level bowl games. Why can't Wrigley Field do it? I mean, that's also part of the reason why they went through that huge renovation uh, stage when uh, the Ricketts family bought the the Cubs from the Chicago Tribune. Right, it was to be able to have Wrigley be more versatile than just being a concert venue and a baseball venue. So. And why can't why does it have to be limited to just Northwestern? Why can't it be a bowl game? Why can't we see other colleges come by to Chicago to play a game where a trophy can be held? But I don't know. That's just my take. I hope that going into uh, this Saturday, the Cats can have uh, some regained focus as they play Wisconsin, which will probably be even a tougher test than Iowa. But... Until the end of the week, we will have that preview ready for you. But that's my recap for tonight. Heartbreaker. You hate to see it. But it is what it is. It is the season that keeps on giving for the Wildcats after all. Or at least Wildcat football. So I'm still going to love this team to the end. uh, But to be great, you got to win these games. Especially when the odds are going to be very, very small. Or should I say, the the lines are going to be very, very small. And there's a chance that this game could go either way. And also, for the most part, the game was marketed towards you. But until uh, the end of the week, I'll see you then to uh, preview football against Wisconsin. But we aren't done yet for the show. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will recap the season opener basketball game against Binghamton. welcome back office mates as we now get into the basketball portion of this wildcat offense double header uh before we get into that again i want to thank each and every one of you for supporting the project it means a lot to me and it means a lot to the podcast project to stay alive keep coming up with fresh ideas and perhaps uh, start up new projects later in the year or in future years of the uh, podcast um, of course Feel free to share this with friends, family, colleagues, whoever is down to join the sports talk conversation. I am available on most podcast platforms and on Instagram at Sport. That's O-F-F-C-I-E-S-P-O-R-T. Uh, and once again, thank you for spending your night with me, whether you're chilling at home, putting in overtime, or perhaps on the way home from whatever it is that you're doing on this uh, chilly Tuesday night. but plenty to talk about about this um season opener basketball game the cats came away victorious 72 to 61 against binghamton uh, representative of the america east conference Uh, but that game was a bit of a nail biter at least in the first half binghamton was actually leading the cats 39 to 36 however Northwestern scored 36 to Binghamton's 22 to eventually overtake and keep the game away from the Binghamton uh, Bearcats, uh, 72 to 61. Like I said, uh, the Cats improved to 1-0, while Binghamton falls to 0-1. So despite the rough first half, it is a great start overall. You do want to win that first game at home, especially since these non-conference games will help the team get ready for Big Ten play. Now, of course, maybe from a talent standpoint, It doesn't add up to the Big Ten, at least in the beginning. But again, you're playing solid competition night in and night out. And of course, it gets the team ready to take on a long 30 plus game season of college basketball, especially against teams that will have future professional talent on those teams, whether it's in the NBA or wherever else. Uh, Let's dive into. Our leading performers for Binghamton, Taimu Chenery led the way with 13 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 blocks, along with Samir Torrance, 12 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 blocks, and Armand Harid with 11 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks, and 2 steals. Binghamton was... 41.5% 41.5% from the field, uh, 304 from three, and 83.3% from the line. 11 second chance points with uh, 24 points in the paint and 6 points off of turnovers. Our victorious cats, Boo Bowie, led the way with 27 points, one rebound, two assists, and one steal. Good day at the office for Brooks Barnheiser, 18 points, 13 rebounds, double double, two assists, two blocks, and four steals. And a great opening performance from newcomer Ryan Langborg with 13 points, three rebounds, three assists. Now, not a bad uh, day for the Cats, uh, shooting 51.72% in the first half, 42.4% overall. A bit shoddy from three with 27.8%. But a decent night at the line with 81%. 17 for 21. 38 points in the paint. So they did dominate the inside game. 15 points off of turnovers. uh, So that's good defense in the offense there. 15 second chance points. 7 fast break points. And 6 points from the bench. So uh, Binghamton having the slightly more productive bench. But still uh northwestern managed to be better in second chance points points out of turnovers and points in the paint so definitely inside especially when you have a guy like matthew nicholson being your anchor down there and being your post scorer yeah it's it's very likely that uh the Cats will use the paint to their advantage throughout the course of the year. and Not just through Nicholson, right? Boo Booey can drive the ball. Ty Berry can drive the ball. There's a lot of guys that can get inside, but there is enough shooting to go around on this team. Um, as there are highlights to go around, um, I believe Boo Booey hit his 200th career three-point attempt, which is uh, a program record uh for eighth most in a career so congrats to boo Bowie for hitting a milestone in a very illustrious northwestern career northwestern is 10 and one in season openers under coach collins and won in 15 of its last 16. so the cats have a tendency to start off the season one and oh so of course that what that means that it's not always going to be indicative of whether it's going to be a good season or not starting 1 and 0 however it does give confidence going into the second game and the third game and eventually the fourth game it is one game at a time in in this business right especially when it comes to march when it's survive in advance no matter how good you are or no matter how high or how low your seed is but right now it's winning these singular regular season games at a time in non-conference play and then eventually in the conference play Uh, the cats had nine blocks which is its most since uh december 12th of 2021 when it played njit new jersey institute of technology um boo Booey again was our high scorer with 27 points which is his highest since scoring 36 against illinois Uh, February 23rd, earlier in the year. Um, And it looks like we had a pretty decent debut from Jordan Clayton, who had 17 minutes. So it's good to see freshmen, or first-year students, as they like to call them. Uh, And by they, I mean the Cats, get very significant minutes in their first game. Um, It really shows that... Chris Collins can trust the depth of his team regardless of whether they are more experienced players or uh, fresh out of high school into playing their first collegiate game. Um, But yeah, there seems to be a lot of positives coming out of this game, despite the team starting off pretty slow. But... That's what separates the good great teams from the good teams, right? It's their ability to just take on adversity and pretty much capitalize when when it counts right and clearly the the cats did that after falling behind ever so slightly in the first half and shouts to binghamton for pretty much coming out swinging and punching for the mouth right right away and I mean. I'm sure the Cats and the Cats faithful, I sure as heck didn't expect that. I thought it was going to be one of those games where the Cats would be leading wire to wire just because this Northwestern team is too talented to be losing to a team like that. But, of course, as we all know, in sports, anything can happen, especially in college basketball. Um, But... I will say what shines is the defense right 19 turnovers on Binghamton that the Wildcats caused which is very very good um and of course turning those turnovers into 15 points right it goes to show that this team shows signs of being capable of one of those teams that turns defense into offense which is good you want to be in any sport right you want to be very very sound in all facets of the game uh And in this case, the Cats did very good offensively and defensively. While it didn't necessarily come straight from the get-go, it happened. And of course, it caused them to have a very, very sizable lead. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see that Wildcat basketball is back. Um, I remember when I was a student there from uh, 2020 to 2022, those years were pretty lean despite them having guys like pete nance and ryan young on the team and it's just strange thing that not too long after graduating from the school the team was actually good Uh, and it's not like that they were gonna be you know world beaters right they had to string quality wins over the course of the season as a matter of fact it's very reminiscent of my undergraduate team which is uh, the Loyola ramblers right it's not like they were gonna be high expectation perennial ap top 25 right out of the box right they had to get those quality wins to get to where they are and of course with the way the cats performed last year and had a pretty decent showing in the ncaa tournament their second ever right um now the expectations are slightly higher going into this year, and having games like games against Binghamton and now Dayton coming up uh at the end of the week on Friday night, that already shows the confidence that um not only the fan base but also that the team themselves have within to compete for the big Ten for not only right now but perhaps for years to come because the big Ten has great basketball right purdue michigan state michigan illinois um those teams are always going to compete each and every year and of course when you're kind of like a not necessarily a bottom of the barrel team at this point but more of like a middle of the pack team with the uh, potential to always look and uh swoop up like of course you want to keep pace to not only maintain that position, but also jockey for better positions. Like we all dream of a situation where Northwestern basketball is on top, is actually better than Purdue, better than IU, better than Illinois going into a season, right? And there has a there has there has been times where it can look like that. And hopefully now the program's at a point where it can turn a corner and, you know, we can see very good Northwestern basketball teams for the next five to 10 years, hopefully. But, okay, before I ramble on about this, my take is that this is a good first win and I think the team will have its first real serious test uh, going into Friday night when they play Dayton. Because Dayton coming out of the A10, I believe, they're always pretty good, right? It's not too long ago that they produced a top pick and a pretty good NBA performing player in OB Toppin, right? And of course, traditionally, they seem to be in the tournament more often than not. Um, of course, I'm very now familiar with them because my other alma mater, Seems to be seeing them a lot more these days. Uh, and will be for the foreseeable future. And it's always going to be seen as the front runners of that conference year in and year out until there seems to be a paradigm shift. So, again, you can't take these games lightly. I know A-10 is way better than America East, but you got to treat it like it's a tournament game. Right. This is obviously a tournament caliber team, and there's now going to be a tournament caliber team on the other bench. So hopefully the first game jitters or whatever it is, uh, has been um, shaken off by the cats. They take the next couple days to prepare for a really good team, and hopefully that they can improve the two and O. And Friday night's game is going to be at home, so you don't want to disappoint the home fans. Especially against a very, very quality squad like the Flyers. Uh, that being said, I will have a preview show for that game on game day, Friday uh, afternoon. So uh, tune back in on Friday afternoon to uh, catch the preview show for uh, Cats against Dayton men's basketball. Um, but And also the preview for uh, football against Iowa. Or Iowa, I'm sorry. Wisconsin. So... Again, we could see another double show, actually. So um, It just so happens that the schedule sets seem to line up with uh, how often I can produce the podcast for you guys and where uh, both teams are at in the athletic calendar. But um, now that there are more opportunities for me to produce this content for you guys and now allows me to perhaps space out things a little bit more so things can get a little more cleaner over the course of the season but again thank you for sticking with me and uh, thank you for giving your utmost support for the project and that is tonight's show i hope you enjoyed my takes agree to disagree or maybe you are one of the few that think that maybe the cat shouldn't play at wrigley anymore at least uh, for football um but until then i will see you all at the end of the week uh before i sign off i want to thank you all again for the support the likes the ratings reviews it means so much please pass this along with friends family colleagues whoever's down to join the office sports talk conversation Once again, I can be found on most podcast platforms and Instagram at Offseasport. That's O-F-F-C-I-E-S-P-O-R-T. Thank you so much again and go cats.